Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me at Dan Urban MMA. You can also follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or any other place that you listen to us. And if you're able to rate us, please give us that five-star review. And we're going to talk about judging in MMA as always. And if you haven't already, you can find the criteria at abcboxing.com. Make sure you give that a read, everybody. Scott, we just had some morning fights, and we're actually recording the same day as the fights. We are, yeah. This uh, was kind of a weird Wednesday, huh? I mean, you know, we had something else going on in the world, a little, you know, a little smaller thing happening also at the same time. But we're going to focus on the big action, which was the fights from Fight Island, of course. Correct. And uh, yeah, I got to say, I never really thought that I would be watching live fights, UFC fights, and then I'd have to take a break so I could go pick up my kid from kindergarten. Hey, fights are happening all hours now. No, not at the UFC. This is, it's supposed to give me a weekend when you're going to do it in the morning. It was kind of weird doing it like in the middle of the day because, you know, like I said, I had to pick up my kid. I had to come home. I had to get him lunch. So I basically missed like live watching the fights kind of in the middle portion which almost was like okay because i think i missed some watching live anyway some of the the more the, the less interesting fights i missed that uh lungi Ambula and marcus perez fight yeah yeah that wasn't much yeah i'm, I'm kind of glad i didn't watch that live i, I watched it after because we knew there was no rounds that we were going to discuss that everybody agreed uh, on the judges cards on that one but you know so i watched that one more passively and and i'm glad because it wasn't it was just, it happened, and that was it. <laughs> I watched most of these fights uh, after they had already occurred. Well, you were at work. Yeah, my plan didn't work. Hey, you're, no, you're a hardworking individual who would never do anything other than do his job to the fullest when you're <laughs> at work and not be distracted by fights. <laughs> Correct. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, you know, this this fight card was headlined by, you know, the, the five-round non-title fight between Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny ended up being, I thought it was actually going to end up being a pretty close fight, and it ended up being anything but that. Yeah, it was grueling. That's how I thought it was going to be. Grueling fight. I was actually shocked when you when you told me you thought Magny was going to sub him. I, I don't know if I, I was just being a contrarian, or if I, I mean, honestly, Magny had really, he's just looked excellent in his last bunch of fights, and I was, I was starting to really drink the Kool-Aid on him, I guess. I, I I thought he'd be able to keep it standing better than he could. Not that I discount Michael Chiesa. I, I've always appreciated what he brings to the table as a fighter and his game and everything like that. Um, it's not, it was, it has never really been displayed as the most diverse attack. He's not the most well-rounded fighter. He's still, you know, he showed a little bit more in the striking today, but still has a way to go. But obviously what he's able to do was enough to get Magny down for most of the rounds, uh, pretty consistently 49 46 is on all three cards the third round was the one that went for magni on all three yeah um, that's but, the only yeah one i mean really no drama see. in this one yeah unanimous score for him nothing really to talk about on the judging front it was really good yeah oh yeah solid job by the judges gotta give credit where it's due that was mike bell was on this one alongside salamato and david leatherby i mean how how far does kiesa rise after this does he get that colby fight i don't think he does uh, it depends what they want to do with Colby, I guess. Um, as far as his fighting future, yeah, I mean, I don't know what is going to happen for him. I mean, the the fight to make that makes sense is Covington and Jorge Masvidal. But, I mean, why has that not come together yet? I don't know. If mm. it doesn't come together, yeah, I mean, why not 
put Chiesa in there against him. That's that's another. At least you're I, putting Covington in there against a guy who's coming off of two bigger wins. I think that's such a nightmare matchup for Chiesa. Oh, it is no right. question. And, and he kind of he alluded to that. He, he was pretty self aware of that. But hey, credit to him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, gas tank you know has to I, be be re- uh, rectified before that fight. You know what I look at when guys like guys and gals when they kind of just want the title shot and then you know they don't think they need to earn it anymore it's like you know what why not just fight that part like if you're the best if you actually believe you are the best and you can't get that title shot it's not available why not just fight the tough guy because then you can prove that you're the best and cash in and you know instead of not make money i mean i get it the, the, the stakes are high it's not like i don't understand that and especially with the way UFC pay structure is basically nobody makes what they're worth. Um, and <laughs> if you lose, you make half of what they're even paying you potentially. So it's tough. But I mean, these guys want to prove something. They're, they're really this is a proving ground for most of these fighters. They just want to be able to show what they can do. So credit to Chiesa there. If he gets that fight against Covington, I do think it's going to be a tough one for him. But maybe he can do it. And I mean, I'd be pulling for him. I, I get very tired of Covington shtick. Anyway, I, that's that's it for Chiesa Magni. I mean, really, there just wasn't that much to say. Magni, obviously, you know, this this takes a lot of the shine off of the legacy or the, the, the win streak that he built. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll bounce back fine. I think we're seeing now that Magni tops out. Um, we kind of already knew that. But, it, you know, the fact that he went on a little run, you almost like, yeah, oh, maybe he's got this extra surge in his career. And, you know, I think we know what he is. He's, you know, somewhere in the top 10, 15 welterweight tough out. But more or less, you know, that that unfortunate word that people use, uh, he's kind of a gatekeeper. Yeah, that second bald bull in punch out the second time you fight bald bull. Oh, the second time you fight the bald bull. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty tough. The second one. I get you. I get you. All right. Well, I think my name is we'll uh, move on to contested rounds, right? Because we had we had a lot of decisions on this card and we had a ton of rounds anyway. You know, like every there was only one first round finish on the whole card out of 12 what 12 or 14 fights 14 fights 14 fights this was another thing this was too many fights for a wednesday morning <laughs> i think they had to squeeze God. it in like uh, they pr- just had so many guys they had the book guess i don't know make another card yeah. although then it gets logistically tough because i know getting a lot of the judges there for x amount of time all the refs there for x amount of time keeping them there it does become a problem yeah i mean unless they made this back-to-back shows like wednesday morning and then thursday morning Hey, I mean, they've done that before. They'll probably do that next time because I know Dana White listens to the show. Yes, he does. He's he's an avid listener. He he told us to say hello. <laughs> I may or may not have made that up. That's for you to decide. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on to contested rounds, though. We've, we Like I said, we've got a bunch of these rounds. Let's start with the split decision that we had of the night. And that was Matt Schnell getting the 29-28 all across the board. Got two of them over Tyson Nam. Round two was the split call because Nam got the third, Schnell got the first. So this is where we have that split. Andrews Olsen and Mike Bell, alongside Eric Cologne, were on this one. Olsen and Bell, they saw it for Schnell. Sorry for the rhyme. That was totally accidental. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and Eric Cologne uh, was the one who saw it for Nam. What did you see, Dan? I scored that it for... That also sort of rhymed. <laughs> I ended up scoring it for Schnell. 10-9. I thought it was a super close round. Schnell landed more. I mean, that was pretty obvious, but I thought Nam landed harder. I just I just didn't think Schnell's power wasn't all that far behind Nam's. Yeah, I think in this round in particular, I, I really thought that 
the power disp- discrepancy was just not that um i guess marked marked it was obvious that, uh, yeah yeah it was it wasn't that obvious to me I, I thought they were pretty close um in terms of volume and power but i i really just thought that overall effectively the effective striking i thought it was Schnell. but i don't have a problem with this one going either way this is certainly a close round where you can make a very good argument you know not only based on how you perceive the strikes but you know which ones you're seeing from your perspective at the cage and maybe there's other, you know, information, of course, input that they get from sitting around the cage, you know? Yeah, I, I think both guys have a good case for the round. Absolutely. I, I just see it, Schnell edging it based on the volume and having enough power to keep up with Nam. Yeah, I would agree. This was a nice little fight, though. I mean, the, the unfortunate part is that as close a fight as this was, and a good fight, not a, not an amazing fight, but a good fight, someone has to lose this. So Tyson Nam's the one who goes home with, you know, a very reasonable case to have won. And yet he's not going to get that win bonus. Yeah, no win bonus, super close fight. Uh, I, d- I didn't really care for Matt Schnell's assessment post fight. He said he thinks Nam got the round based on coming forward. And that's kind of weird to me. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I think there's a perception out there that that is what it is. And, and look, I mean, it's tough to it's tough to really truly explain that away to somebody who believes it because you can almost understand why a fighter might think that if they haven't had the same conversations that you know say you and i have had with judges if you haven't read over the criteria you haven't you know, listened if, to the if, show if your experience tells you something else you know yeah i guess that's the tough thing that's the, the that's why obviously as you know this is why we try to educate and try to speak about these type of things so that people can understand no it is not necessarily that you you saw this man just coming forward it was the fact that it's landing effective offense effective offense impactful strikes this is what we're looking for typically speaking and not always but typically speaking whoever's throwing more volume is more or less going to end up winning the round not throwing more volume but landing more volume unless it's just you know light jabs and someone's starting to land heavy impact shots well yeah but typically speaking yeah i mean if you're landing more often just that's going to happen doesn't matter if you're coming forward or not. Yeah, you can go backwards and, and throw more. I think what, what we've seen from guys like Max Holloway in, in his fight the other day is just it really is all about putting enough strikes out there and landing them. Now, it's very hard to land as many as Max did in that time. I mean, there's very few individuals on the planet who are capable of that type of output over the course of 25 minutes. But it's very hard to, to hit that target, though. I, oh, of course it is, especially I, against a very talented striker. When I did some sparring... I would get so excited that I didn't know how to react if I actually connected with something other than a glove or complete air. And I was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. it was just a total shock. I was like, oh, I never hit do that. Yeah, I, I lack that striking um, training. So, you know, it, it's harder for me to speak to it in any sort of authoritative way. I'm truly coming at it as more of a spectator um, and based on what other people have said. But having said that, we are seeing now that volume strikers are having more success in MMA. Just, just period. It just is helping. Yeah, because is it, it? You think you think the idea behind it is throw as much as you can at the wall and see what sticks? No, I don't think so. Um, because if you do that, obviously you can leave yourself very open to counters. You know, right? I mean that. Well, again, Max, Max I, got hit. I haven't trained too. striking like you, but but that just makes sense to me. I mean, you can't just well, yeah. throw the kitchen sink and see what happens. But if you're able to do that in such a way that you don't leave yourself vulnerable, 
yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to deal with a tornado. I mean, how many people can come at you like that? I know. And, and the thing is, Max still got hit a lot. He, he got hit took, a lot, but some you know, if you look I mean, at the percentage of times he got hit versus how many times he hit, it was still like four or five oh, to oh, one. Of course, yeah. Well, I mean, it so, was, yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, he was willing to take the one to land the other five. Right, that's fine. <laughs> but I was just saying, you know, remember he said, "I'm ready for Connor or Dustin if something happens to him." And I was looking at his face, and I was like, "That they're not going to sanction you uh, to take uh, that fight." Yeah, I mean, they're probably not going to sanction him. But like, I mean, he's he's a fighter's fighter. You know, he he told me when I interviewed him that. You know, he would he would fight anybody in outside the back of a parking lot. He doesn't care. Just wants to fight. He just wants to fight. It doesn't bother him. Mm, that's a guy I'd like to have in a you know, my crew at a barroom brawl then. He's your type Max Holloway is your type of fighter. Yeah, I like Max. He most definitely is. But yeah, so you know, I don't again, going back to this round, I really don't have a problem with it going to Nam. I don't think there's anything wrong with Eric Cologne seeing that way. Uh, especially given the close nature of it. And I mean, who knows? Maybe just the information that you get up cage side. Maybe some of that stuff that we're missing. And who knows what he's hearing too? Maybe he's hearing him just land different. It certainly could be, and or he's you know he's able to look into the eyes, which we're not able to do on the cameras, of course. So mm-hmm. you just never know. And I have no problem with it going either way, even based on what I saw. So um, I stand by my score, Schnell. Uh, obviously, you know if we if we include you and I with the other judges, it's four to one. So there is a clear, you know. <laughs> sense that this is a schnell round but it doesn't make it right you know you and i are untrained yeah well, well i think that's yeah i think we probably exhausted that round right that fight yeah we definitely did and we went off topic too but oh, that's all right <laughs> everyone who's listening to this show likes fights that's they true. like fighting they, they like mma they we do. can talk a little off script i think you know we're not, we're not talking about uh you have a script i do not have a script <laughs> wish i had a script off the plan sir <laughs> but anyway that was the only split decision we had uh we did have some unanimous decisions with a couple of of interesting round scores or split round scores i should say that potentially the way it could have gone one way or the other could have made a difference in who won the fight um and that was in mike davis getting the unanimous nod over mason jones 29 28 i thought this was the best fight on the whole card yeah this was a very fun fight it's three 29-28s, but not unanimous cards. You know, we've seen fights like that before, of course. Uh, round two and round three of the splits, everyone agreed that Davis won round one. Although, I should say, I thought Jones won round one. But, I mean, it was a very close round. And, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm less distracted or maybe I'm more distracted in the morning for one or another. Yeah. So, who knows? The sun what do like I bothers know? you. What the heck do I know? <laughs> Round two, though, let's let's get to this one because again, this was split. Uh, we had two out of three going for Jones here, and that was Saldamato and uh, Olsen again. Uh, and it was also Eric Cologne being in the uh, the dissenting judge on this one. He had it for Davis. What did you see? I agree with Eric. Okay. Uh, ten nine Davis. Everything he landed was hard, as was what Jones landed too. But he got dropped early, and every time he landed, he got a really good reaction where Jones is backing up. He's landing that big body overhand right. I just thought Jones was just less effective. I mean, that's fair. I, I kind of essentially saw it the opposite way of you, but not really a problem for me. This this was a I think it was a close round, a close fight throughout the whole fight. Yeah, this was good matchmaking. They they evenly matched here. Excellent, excellent matchmaking for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not gonna honestly. I, I really don't have much to add. I really just felt kind of the same way, but for the other guy, that's just how I saw it. Um, and so I saw it the same way uh, as Sal D'Amato and, and Anders Olsen. Uh, doesn't make us 
right or wrong. It's a very close round, but that's what we have here. Round three, again, a split call. Uh, and it's the same judges uh, in the majority and the minority. This was Eric Cologne who saw it for Jones uh, this time as the minority uh, out judge. Uh, whereas uh, D'Amato and Olsen saw it for Davis this time. Did you agree with uh, Cologne again? Uh, not on this round. I went for Davis 10-9. Okay, so did I. Another fun round, but I thought everything that Davis landed was was pretty meaningful and, and hard. Uh, the punches Davis landed were, you know, just better, I thought, and everything was snapping Mason's head back again. Yeah, I think this is where, at least in my view, Jones seemed to have lost more, a little more steam. I mean, he still had a good round. Oh, he sure did. So. But like, as far as the fact that I saw the first two rounds for him. Yeah. Because again, I, I saw round one, the opposite of all three judges, which again, that does not make me right. I'm probably just <laughs> wrong. <laughs> uh, and, and incidentally, uh, Cologne and I had all three rounds different. So he and I would be looking at each other like, what the heck are you? Th-? He's going to be looking at me like, what are you thinking, dude? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I don't, especially if you look at the two faces at the end of this fight, you know, when you look at the eye test, which doesn't always tell the story, but Mike Davis certainly looked a little better for the wear than Mason Jones did. So Davis getting the win. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, they they just really smacked each other in the head a lot of times. It did. It was a fun one. I I look forward to seeing both of these kids again. I don't want to say kids, but yeah, that that was it for that fight. Moving on, though, to uh, Lerone Murphy. Getting the 30-27 on one card, 29-28 on the other two over Douglas Silva D'Andrage. Round two and round three, we had some splits there. Uh, we had two judges, Ben Cartledge and uh, Paul Sutherland. They saw it for Murphy, whereas David Leatherby was in the uh in the and he was the out judge for this one, and he saw it for Silva D'Andrage. What did you see? I thought this was a Murphy round 10-9. Okay. I did too. Andrage had uh Decent ground positions. I just didn't think he did much offense with them. And I thought I'd agree. Yeah. And I thought Murphy's his real offense were the solid leg kicks. I think that yeah, was, that was I, that was I, a key I think, to the round. I think it, it's certainly a close round. Again, mm-hmm. there was some. I think there was definitely good matchmaking on this card overall. I mean, we had some heavy favorites that really didn't. It didn't always play out that way. Doesn't always no. No, but I think that speaks to uh, the ability for the UFC to matchmake even on the the. Not that these guys are, are, you know, debutantes in the UFC or anything like that, but they, they do a very good job top to bottom it's a very tough often yeah. of making good matchups, Yeah, they're, they're, which is not easy. If you look at regional cards, it's not always that way, oh, but no. you know, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was, you know, like I said, very close round round three, though, another one where two out of three saw it for Murphy this time, Leatherby and Sutherland were the ones uh, with cartilage being the out one. He saw it. For Silva de Andrade, did you see it for Murphy as well? I saw it for Murphy again. Uh, both guys really had their moments in this round, and I thought it was pretty decently close. I still think Murphy had the edge uh, with the more impactful punches, but the very end of the round really drove it home for me with the ground and pound. Yeah, I think that was what sold it for me too, because I was actually very much on the fence for almost the entire round who, who yes. to go for. I think this was probably the closest of the three rounds. Yeah, this, this was the, probably the toughest round. I think so. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, I think it got sewn up near the end where it was just for me a lot easier to say, okay, this is a Murphy round. Yeah. That, that's how, that's how it was for me. But you know, a 30, 27, which is what I ended up with in this fight. Uh, I 
think this is one of those fights that 3027 doesn't tell the whole story. I think it was a very close fight. Yeah, that one of those weird 3027s you think should blow out, but it, it's not. That's why we need a more specific scoring system. <laughs> and winner by not such a big margin, Lerone Murphy. You will not be replacing Bruce Buffer. <laughs> not happened, sir. It's, no, it's not happening. <laughs> we do have one more round we get into before we get into the kind of our more rundown rounds. Because, again, there were so many rounds of this one. I don't, I don't think we need to go in depth onto too many. Uh, I think we've we've tried to scratch the surface a little more with these just because there are so many. But the one that I wanted to make sure we got into a little bit more was uh, Umar Numagomedov, Umar Numagomedov, excuse me, uh, getting the round two sub rear naked choke against Sergei Morozov. All right. Round one, we did have a score turned in, of course, because it was a round two finish. And only two out of three judges saw this round for Khabib's cousin, Numagomedov. And that was Paul Sutherland and Cummins Werner, whereas Mike Bell had it for Morozov 10-9. What did you see, sir? I scored it for Umar. Okay. But I don't I don't think it's I mean, I thought it was actually pretty close on the feet, striking wise. Umar definitely had the grappling uh advantage. Without question. But a lot of the grappling was just a very scrambly exchange. He never really secured position, uh, and if he did it was very brief. It was it was not for a, a great deal of time. I do think he secured position by the end of the round. The, the end of the round, it, was, he did. it just wasn't he there did. that long. Right. He, the end of the round is when he actually did secure a position. But that whole, I mean, the whole beginning of the, of the round, no one was really even throwing any strikes. They were just kind of Gramby roll and follow and just trying to hold on to that clinch for a while. And I thought the striking was, was kind of close. What I saw was Morozov throwing a lot, but... You know, he, he would kind of deflect off the arm or he would miss entirely, at least to me, from my angle. It See, did not look like he was landing very much. I'm glad you bring that up because the camera angles we were getting in this fight were not the best on the feet. Some, I didn't observe that, but but uh, some like you, you might have a good point there. Some like haymakers that Morozov threw looked like, well, like, did that hit him or did that not hit him? I'm not really sure there. I just didn't get the sense it did. So, I, I thought I thought I had enough of you to decide that it's not. See, no, maybe see, I, I am wrong. I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't notice any distinct good camera angles. I think the camera work was probably tough for these two guys because they're very fast and they're all over the cage. Oh yeah, band weights like these guys, fly weights too. It's got to be tricky. So the cameras, uh, the camera crew. But I mean, the judges have a fixed position, so who really knows exactly what they saw? But the one thing they do have an advantage over you and I, well, among many things, is that they can at least hear it much more clearly right? when when the the punches, when the kicks, when everything lands. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier for them to get that out of it. And that being the case, maybe it makes more sense for Mike Bell to say, okay, maybe he heard things we didn't. Maybe he observed things we didn't. Right. And he gave the round to Morozov. But from my angle, and the stats ended up confirming this at UFC stats, which I'll share in a second. I just I really didn't think Morozov was landing much of anything. So when you when you factor in that Nurmagomedov was doing a good job landing the kicks and I didn't think Morozov was landing much of anything. Plus, he was getting a couple takedowns, you know, that, you know, like you said, the first one was a little bit more of a scramble, didn't quite settle into a back take. But the second one, he definitely did take the back. Yes. And he wasn't able to do much with the position. But, you know, he secured a dominant position. You, sir, are a huge fan of taking the back. Oh, absolutely. I I thought. That's how. That's basically what won this round for me. For Umar, mm-hmm. uh, he had a front kick to the face, which I thought was awesome. 
and he had good leg kicks and securing the back and landing a little bit of ground and pound before the bell ran rang uh that gave it me it to go for him i i really i don't find it too crazy if you went Morozov if you think he landed those strikes if if mike bell is convinced that those strikes landed i mean that's fine he's uh, he's an incredible judge probably if i was to put him somewhere in a rankings i would say he's definitely in the top five somewhere as far as judges in the whole world um that i would say i would want in a fight if he was on my title fight i feel pretty secure but i don't know this this one it seemed much seemed like a much tougher case for him and and again not that i was watching with the stats and thinking this but the stats that you look look up later at ufc stats they would indicate yeah it's kind of hard to make much of a case for morozov here we have 15 total strikes landed by uh, umar and we have three total strikes landed by Morozov. Hmm. If that's the case, if if those numbers are accurate, and you know, you almost start to wonder, you know, hey, how accurate could they be? I don't know what the technology they're using for that is. Um, I would love to find that out. But if that's the case, fifteen to three. I mean, it's not like Morozov had Umar in any big trouble. No, he didn't. It's a it's a much harder thing to understand the case for that there. So maybe there's something I'm missing. I'm I'm certainly open to uh, an alternate point of view of figuring out why maybe a good explanation why because i want to learn um but but yeah i look at this as a very hard round to defend i i just i don't recall umar landing that many strikes though he threw a lot of kick high kicks that seemed to be blocked like off uh the tricep kind of okay like the guy's coming up to block his head and, it, and it's hitting off his tricep yeah i don't know how they score that thing uh, to so, be honest I'm, I'm not really sure how that works um i can tell you that in round one the location of the strikes because they do track that on, on UFC stats. We had three landed to the head from Umar, three to the body, and five uh, leg kicks. Okay. And 10 of them were from distance, whereas... Oh, this is significant strikes. This is not total strikes, by the way. Um, so yeah, 10 out of 11 were from distance. One is considered in the clinch and, and not on the ground. But that's, again, there's four <laughs> insignificant strikes, for lack of a better term, because it's a stupid term, significant strikes. <laughs> um, such a dumb name. Uh, but that's that's where we sit. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm again. I'm very open to an explanation as to why one would give that round to Morozov. But from my seat at home, watching it twice, I I had a very hard time finding an argument for Morozov. All right. But hey, I'd love to learn. Anybody, anyone to set me straight? Tell me why I'm dumb, please. I I know I'm dumb. I can I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Those Keith Petersons will let you have it. <laughs> the Keith Peterson army. <laughs> you know, I, I observed this when when uh, Keith was in the cage earlier today. There was one point because he, you know, he obviously is dressed all in black and he has the black gloves on. And if he's standing up next to the cage at a certain position, he kind of just looks like a floating head. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of refs look like that, but like for whatever reason, at that particular thing, because he wears the long sleeves too. He has he has mm-hmm. the long sleeve shirt yeah. on. He just for whatever reason in that moment. He just kind of he blended in very well. It was good camouflage, except for his head. Fantastic ref. I, I love that him, Jason Herzog, Mark Goddard, Lucas Bosaki. We have some fantastic refs for this one too. Herb we only Dean. talk about the judges on this show, basically, unless the unless there's something that gets us all nice and mad or something we really think they did a great job on. But I think we have a fantastic uh, officiating team overall for yeah. these Fight Island events, and, and that includes the referees, of course. Herb Dean too. Herb Dean too. Thank you. Yes, I don't want to leave Herb about. Um, obviously, he took he took some heat last year. But let's face it, he's still one of the best refs in the business. He's been around for two decades. 
Well, I mean, not best because he's been around. He's just the best because I think he still is one of the best. Well, yeah. You know, but we he, all make mistakes, but he's he got a good body around. of work. And he, he I still think around. that supports it. Uh, but, you know, that was it for our contested rounds. We got, you know, we'll, we'll run down a lot quicker with the, with the remaining stuff. We got a 10-8, couple of rounds for the 10-8 watch, right? Yeah. The first one in the first fight of the night was uh, Menon Furo, the French uh, women's flyweight, getting the win over Victoria Leonardo. Uh, no relation to Michelangelo, Raphael, and Donatello uh, via round two TKO. Round one, though, before that happened, that was a potential 10-8. And when I was watching it, too, I was I was really thinking about it. I, I almost went for that 10-8, but ultimately I decided not, not to go there. I thought this was just a very strong 10-9. Uh, and so did Sal D'Amato and Ben Cartledge, whereas David Leatherby, he did go for the 10-8. Did you go for the 10-8? No, I went 10-9. I, I don't really see a 10-8. I, I thought she can get damaged, but I couldn't really find any other Ds. Yeah, I think same here. I, I would agree. I mean, there was, you know, you can also do it for, um, you know, diminishing strikes, that kind of thing. You know, any, anything that really diminishes a fighter. Uh, I'm I'm not using the right terminology at this point. Um, for whatever reason, is escaping me right now because it's uh, almost midnight and I've been up since uh, early morning watching fights and stuff. But <laughs> but for for yeah, I I don't I don't have a problem necessarily with it going to the ten eight. I'm always up for more 10-8s, well, yeah, but I do think sure. I would stop just short of it. Yeah, I like that. Just good 10-9. Yeah. And the other one, of course, Viviani Araujo. 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 Thank you, sir. Thank you for correcting my pronunciation. Getting the win over Roxanne Mataferi. 30-27s and a 30-26, which means one 10-8 round, of course. That was the first from Clemens Werner. He was the only one who went 10-8 for Araujo. Sal D'Amato and David Leatherby, they went for the 10-9 here. What about you? I did not go 10-9. I thought a solid round. Strong round. I just don't really see any Ds. No, I you don't see any Ds. I don't see damaged. any. I didn't see. I didn't think any of the shots were really all that damaging. Uh, I I completely disagree with you, sir. Nah, they they, they seem not that strong to me. Uh, I didn't no, see I... any dominance as there as Montefiore was returning anything that was thrown at her, and I I, I don't know. That, that's how I no, see. No, I I distinctly disagree with you, then, sir. I I have a bigger problem with you than I do with uh with Mike Bell tonight, sir. I mean, I watched it twice, three times actually. I watched it. Watched this three times. Three times. I the, the strikes that Araujo are landing. Is this because you fell asleep? I fell asleep one of the times. Okay. <laughs> the other two times I didn't. All right. I I mean I didn't see any sustained offense. Even if you give the D, I, I, I just, I still don't see dominance or duration for if you. I even thought if we you had a damage. high level of damage, and I saw diminishing blows. I don't know. I mean, nah, just don't. And there was that sub. There was a sub attack in there. I too. saw the say. I, I get the sub attack. That that really just puts it to a strong round for me. Uh, I don't think she was in any true danger. There. I thought this was a very big round for her. I, I, I have no uh, problem going for a ten eight here at all. Kind of struggle with it. Hmm. Well. At least I've got Clemens Werner, who is one of the best judges in the world on my hey, side. That that's fine. He's he's cage side, so he's he knows how heavy these shots are on TV. They didn't look that big to me. To me, they did. Good thing we're not in the same room. Yeah, I'll show you damaging. You. You Having want... said that, you used to you used to kick my butt the last time I remember when we were grappling, and, and then you trained longer than me, so you'll probably beat me. But I'll want to fight you. you can try. I'm wily. I, I'll I'll pick up <laughs> something from the from the room. I'll I'll, I'll play dirty. None of my pops. All right, I'll leave the pops alone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you, obviously, Ian, you went the 10-9. You, you had it like uh, Sal D'Amato and David Leatherby. I had it for like, like Clemens Werner. 
I say I, I think I understand why this is not a, a definitive 10-8, but I'll say this. I would go 10-8 in our system. Oh, I mean I would too. I think probably I would have a harder time going to the 10-7 in our system, given the fact that you could go to the 10-8 mm-hmm. more easily. But yeah. I don't know. I just I, I definitely saw it that way. I didn't think we were gonna disagree that strongly here. Wow. Yeah, that's no, this might alter our relationship as friends. <laughs> Well, that's it for the 10 8 uh the 10 8 uh rounds here but we do have a couple quick lightning rounds just real quick ones didn't impact it at all don't have a whole lot to say about them uh sumu darji getting the win 30 27 and 229 28 over zaruk adashev round one was the split here adashev got the round from cologne and uh damato whereas sumu darji got it from clemens Werner. who'd you see it for uh sumu darji was who I got, I gave it to 10 9. The light kicks were the story of the round for me. Thought that was what was effective. I agree. Me too. That's a that's a, a 10 9 from both of us with the out judge Clemens Werner. So that means it's a couch side override. <laughs> <laughs> we should get that. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. I should just do it. It's it's much less <laughs> annoying than the actual noise. Or I should not do it at all. DJ Red Alert. <laughs> DJ Enough. And one more lightning round we had. Ike Villanueva, he got the second round flat KO of Vinicius Mojera. Round one, though, was split. I This was not a particularly engaging round, at least in my opinion. Uh, but two judges, uh, Bell and Cologne, saw it for Villanueva, whereas Anders Olsen saw it for Mojera. What do you see? Yeah, like you said, not the most action-packed round, but it had good action at times. It did, but so- I mean, I think the lack of volume... Yeah, this oh, is what we, sure. you know, the data that I looked over pointed out light heavyweight as one of those mm. weight divisions where you do see a lot of dissenting rounds. And I think it's because of stuff like this that happens. And it seems like these are two light heavies that could probably make 185 pretty easily. Uh, but I thought uh, Villanueva landed the, the good flurries in Maria. Uh, what is it? Mahaya just had Mahara. Uh, Mahara just had uh, decent one-off strikes, it seemed to me, especially the kicks to the bodies. But I ultimately sided with Villanueva, 10-9. Yeah, I did too. Uh, Olsen going for Mahara, that's fine. I, I get it. But, I mean, it obviously it didn't matter because he got starched of, you know, about 30 seconds into yeah. the next round. <laughs> speaking and of... That was it. That was, oh my goodness, all those rounds. It's a lot of rounds. But speaking of that, yeah. uh, we got, well, we had a lot of unanimous uh, rounds. We had a ton of unanimous rounds. Of course, we already mentioned the uh, the headliner. Uh, that was that was uh, Mike Bell, Sal D'Amato, and David Ledley on that one. All three agreed, all five rounds. You don't always get that. So, you know, shout out to the judges for getting that. Uh, you know, you always got to appreciate when they do. Uh, Francisco Figueredo, he got the win. That, that's, of course, the the light flyweight champion's brother, Davison Figueredo's brother. He got 29-28s across the board over Jerome Rivera. Rivera got the third round on everybody. Dalcha Lungiambula. Over Marcus Perez, that fight that I kind of skimmed past because I know the judges' scorecards later on. Uh, that was also 29-28 with Perez getting the third. Ricky Simone, he won the first round before he got a second round uh, sub from Arm Triangle over Gaetano Pirello. And Omari Akhmedov, again, round two sub by Arm Triangle, won the first round over Tom Breeze. Or if you trust the scorecards the UFC posts on their website, Arm Bar Triangle Choke. Oh, I think they just had a typo. <laughs> hey, uh, I've seen worse. I, I saw them post it one time and it had an actual like incorrect round posted on there. So they ultimately yeah, fixed that. I don't know if it's because I noticed it or someone else noticed it. It was probably someone else. I don't have that kind of poll, but I did note it to somebody. So <laughs> maybe, maybe it got passed along. No. 
And Octop looked like a different fighter, but yeah. Yeah, because he wasn't tired as heck in he the looked third very round. Like sure last we saw him. him against, uh, what's that? He looked very sure of himself. He did not look sure of himself at all against Weidman. <laughs> I thought you said he looked shorter. <laughs> like, yeah, he's strong. <laughs> Yeah, he's been standing up for you know, a couple months, so gravity took its took its toll. Yeah, just compressed him. <laughs> but uh, speaking of that finish that you just mentioned, we had six of them: three knockouts and three subs. Little, a lot of even there. Yeah, I like that. A little bit of mix. Was uh, that one your favorite? It was not actually. Was it yours? No, it wasn't. Well, obviously you picked the sub. I didn't. What? You all right? I didn't pick a sub for this one. That vaccine messed with you the other day. <laughs> did well i'm feeling way better now it's a mind control device they tell you right <laughs> yeah they're pumping new thoughts into me yeah subs are bad knockouts <laughs> good no my favorite sub my, my i i almost just said my favorite sub ah, my favorite no, I'm, finish I'm your head. my favorite finish was warley alvis tripling up with the three body kicks and oh, then pounding out so Lazez. you know what why that was my favorite why because you know i picked it wrong because when the few and far between times that I did train some striking, the end of the round, the coach would call for, all right, 10, 10 straight kicks. And I'm like, this is so stupid. I don't want to throw 10 <laughs> kicks in a row. So tiring. But I get it. You know, it's for cardio and stuff. But isn't it? Of course. Who knew it was practical? I was like, oh. Yeah, who could imagine throwing a ton of kicks was practical? Well, three unanswered straight to the body. Just bang, bang, bang. No one ever does well, that. Yeah. Evidently, uh, Warley Alves does. <laughs> yes, he does. He looked awesome. He did look awesome. I honestly, he came out really hot on on Lizez, and I I think maybe just Lizez just couldn't get his bearings. Overwhelmed him. Yeah, that fight did not last very long. That was that was the only first round finish that we had the whole fourteen fights, and it sure felt like it. <laughs> but uh, your finish was then. My finish was the one before that one, Ike Villanueva. But we just talked about uh, getting the <laughs> he countered the punch kick that uh, DC loved. <laughs> you don't throw a punch kick. <laughs> Got it. Gave him with the huge right. No follow ups. He he knew it was over. Yeah, he just he just standing over him. him. Yeah, you like to see that because you don't want to. I mean, look, do you need to see them showing up? Another fighter. I mean, maybe not, but hey, I had no problem with it. But yeah. I'd much rather that than throw a bunch of giant haymakers at a dude who's out cold. Yeah, you you don't really see the leaping from the top rope, Dan Henderson on Michael Bisping much anymore. No, you don't. That was that was wild. That was something else. But yeah, this this that was definitely my favorite. That was the only uh, one shot KO that we had of the evening. It was the only one that went down as a straight up KO instead of a TKO. So mm-hmm. uh, I I tend to gravitate to those. Although, look, if it's just the way it kind of goes down in the books. If someone lands something incredible, you know, TKO it doesn't matter. I I'll, I'll appreciate that too. And that was all for the Wednesday fight night, the greatest Wednesday morning fight night in UFC history. And also the worst. <laughs> and let's never do this again. They're going to do it again. All right. So, but moving on. Moving on to UFC 257 on Saturday. Tomorrow's fights because we're on, on Friday now. It, it, it's, you know, this is a Friday show. We're yeah, this is to. Friday, guys. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> we're, we're messing up dates all over the place. But yeah. <laughs> this Saturday, Conor McGregor. You ever heard of this guy? I heard him about his fights once or twice. He's he's this uh, this rabble rouser who gets in trouble time to time and occasionally also fights. Uh, he's fighting again. Dustin Poirier, the big rematch at 155 pounds this time. They fought many years ago at 145 uh, when both of them used to suck their bodies dry. Yeah, they're much bigger now. They're ostensibly much healthier now. 
I'm definitely looking forward to this fight. I do think there's there is intrigue to this one on its own merits because I I think both of them have grown as fighters over the years. I think McGregor has gotten much better on the ground and in his ability to stop it from getting to the ground. And I think Dustin Poirier has become a much, much better striker. Poirier definitely improved since the first fight. I mean, think about it. The Max Holloway that we were just talking about, who looked amazing in the striking just the other day. It was less than two years ago that he fought Poirier up a weight class. And Poirier absolutely outboxed him, outkickboxed him, just disowned him. Right. The the thing that worries is, is Poirier still gets hit a lot. He's very hittable. Absolutely. And Connor is very accurate. He's a deadly accurate. Yes, he is. He's been talking up apparently his uh, his cardio now. We'll see if that's mm. just talk or not. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, people believe the first half of the fight, Connor needs to kind of win it. And if he doesn't, he'll kind of fade. I mean, it's conventional wisdom at this point. We've seen Connor enough. Mm. We know Connor pretty well by now. I mean, we don't see him as much over the years. So it's certainly believable he could improve upon a lot of things in the year between fights that he have, uh, you know always takes. But yeah, I mean, I, I look at this fight the same way I've looked at most of these fights. He's got two rounds to look really good. And if he can't get it done in those two rounds, I'm, I'm not going to say he can't win, but his job gets a lot harder, especially against someone like Poye, who we know can go five hard rounds, even in a fight mm-hmm. he's losing That's early true. on because sure. he came back on uh, Dan Hooker in June in, in our essentially that was our best male fight of the year last year. I think we both agreed on that. I think you had it. Number I, one. Had, I it had it number, number one. Two. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was our best male fight of the year. It was our best non-title fight of the year last year. And he lost both of those first two rounds. Poirier did to Hooker came back and won all three going out. So this is a guy who can survive a really bad situation. He can get hit, but he can also keep coming. Definitely. Definitely keeps coming forward. That's but it also worries me. How much did that fight take out of him? Is it, That's I mean, a good question. Did he recover? It's, it's a fair question. So but I don't think that that was like. That was not a fight that I think aged him in the same way that Calvin Cater got aged the other oh, day. My, well, no, there's no. We just fight saw that several aged years taken off of Calvin yeah. Cater's career. I mean, that that's unfortunate, but I do think that's what it is. Well, yeah, he he got hit a total of three fights worth of punches in the face. Four hundred, I be, I believe it was four hundred forty-seven total strikes he took all across his body, and that's that's an otherworldly number. Yeah, in twenty-five minutes, can't imagine how sore he is. So many sub-concussive blows. Oh God. But uh, Connor. Yeah, anyway, back to this fight, though. Yeah, I think Connor predicted under sixty seconds. <sighs> of course, he did. I think that's what he predicted. Look, I'm sorry, Mystic Mac is not exactly. He hasn't been himself. You know, Nostradamus <laughs> here. He did predict. The, he did predict the first fight right, though. Did he also predict that he would beat Khabib? I'm just saying, against Poirier, <laughs> he's a hundred percent. All right, fair enough. Uh, I I am gonna lean McGregor here. I think he does okay. get it done. I think I'm I'm leaning. Poye here i think i do think actually that this one will go the distance i actually think connor can make it go the distance oh, okay. it's, that's kind of i would say that's like the boldest part of my prediction although you know you do could you say that think... Poye is bold so I, I would think dustin has a, a if he can get him tired i think he can maybe win it by sub do you think there's a part of him that decides to grapple at any point sure why not i think i think Poye is someone who will take advantage of the opportunity if he sees it okay. or if he has it i mean he went for a choke against khabib yeah that's true. I think if the opportunity presents it, he, I think Dustin, Dustin Poirier is a, an experienced enough fighter and a comfortable enough fighter with his entire game that he will go with whatever he thinks works now. I think he's got a, a decent uh, fight IQ. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I have faith that he'll he'll make it work. He's not going to be stubborn and just say, I want to knock McGregor out. I don't think okay. that's the way he thinks. You know, it, it means a lot for him to w- get the win. You know, he fights for his yeah. family. He fights for his daughter. And I think that means a lot to him in particular. So I I do think he, I think uh, I would take him to win this fight. But I can't say I say that with a ton of confidence. And McGregor, he, he did look so fantastic last year, just about this time a year ago against Donald Cerrone. Different situation, different opponent. But he really impressed me coming off of the layoff there, too. I, I didn't know what to expect, and I'm not going to underrate him in any way this yeah. time. But I do I do think Poye will win. Who do you think, uh, or who should we expect, cage side? Well, it's probably going to be similar judges that we have. I mean, we had, you know, Sal D'Amato flew out this time. Eric Colon flew out this time. Uh, in addition to the judges we already had who were there. I would have to think that we're going to get some of the best judges we have on this fight. You know, and, you know, who could that be? That could, it could be anybody from... Mike Bell to Sal D'Amato to, you know, Eric Cologne, Ben Cartledge, Clemens Werner, David Leatherby. I'm thinking David Leatherby because he's been on both main events so far. So I think he'll be on this one. You think they'll go for the triple threat with I him? I think huh? so, yeah. He'll get the trifecta? We'll yeah. see. We'll see. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how uh, they're going to, you know, assign that. I believe that would be something that goes through. Uh, well, it's the UFC who does it because they're, they're their own commission pretty much. Yeah, Mark Ratner is the one who who would be in charge of that type of thing, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what the thinking is that goes into that. But, you know, typically they do put the, the officials they think are the strongest or or whatever reason. That's what it at least looks like on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think any of them would be terrific. Uh, honestly, whoever they put in there, I trust. And you don't seem to think it's going to go the distance. Connor doesn't think it's going to go the distance. I'm picking it, but we'll see. Maybe the judges Dustin won't be needed either. anyway. I bet Dustin doesn't think it's going the distance either. No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine any of these guys look at there and be like, oh, yeah, it's definitely going to go for 25 minutes. I know that's what it's going to happen. And we'll see. <laughs> no one wants to think that. They want to think, oh, I got to get it out, but I'm going to be prepared for anything. Yeah, no one's John Fitch in here. You know, <laughs> you know I who I always think of when I think of guys who actually want it to go the distance? Daniel Strauss. Do you remember Daniel Strauss over at Beltor by any chance? Name's familiar. So Daniel Strauss was one of their top uh, – featherweight fighters for a bunch of years during the tournament days and stuff i don't know if he's still with them anymore or not actually i'm not sure what we came of daniel strauss at this point uh i know he had a legal woes that i don't need to get into but um he i distinctly remember him being like yeah i wanted to go i want to take you the distance and beat on you like he 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 just wanted to land a bunch of ground and pound for 15 minutes and like run you through the meat grinder i remember i think khabib said that too I believe that. That sounds like it could be because then because then he said, you know what, I can do five more rounds right now, and I totally believed he could do that too. I believe Khabib could do anything he wanted to, <laughs> uh, and it seems like he doesn't want to fight right now. So let's leave him alone. <laughs> he does not want to fight, but he doesn't want to fight. Don't let it. Don't make him fight. If he doesn't want to fight, let him walk away. I have no problem with yeah, it. Yeah, but any other. I'd love to watch him again. I very selfishly want to watch him fight again. I want to see him beat up more guys. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, the man knows what he wants to do. Leave him alone, Dana. Any other fights you're looking forward to? Uh, Dan Hooker. We were just talking about him. He's coming back in the co-main event over Michael Chandler, another former Bellator guy. We're talking about Bellator all day now. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's coming over for his first fight. I actually spoke to Chandler uh, the other day for some stories for the Post. Uh, And yeah, I mean, he he certainly seems to recognize this is a really big opportunity for him with kind of the open nature of that lightweight division because Khabib probably isn't going to be fighting again, or maybe he's not going to be fighting again. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's very open. There's no belt up for grabs between Connor 
and Dustin Poirier here. So surprisingly, who knows? Who knows? Maybe if if Chandler gets this win, which he, you know, of course, he told me he envisioned getting the win as they all do. Um, if he was to win this one in in impressive fashion and McGregor wins, that could be a fight that gets set up or or Poirier or anything. Who knows? There's a lot of things that come out of this. Even if Dan Hooker gets the win, that puts him back in it. Let's say McGregor wins and and Hooker wins. Maybe that's a matchup. I don't know. A lot of things that can happen. Yeah. And both of these guys, they're action fighters. This is going to be a Very fireworks much fight. To it. This fight is fireworks. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know if it's going to go the distance. Uh, if it does, I would favor Hooker. Yeah, I, I would too in the distance. But I do think Hooker's going to finish him with a knee. Oh, okay. Knee knockout. I'm, you know what? Actually, I, I think I am going to pick Hooker by decision. I, I do think it could All go right. there. But it, it's it's going to be a wild fight, I think. That's, that's just kind oh, of the yeah. way both these guys fight. Yeah. What about Another you? Another Dan else you Hooker want to see? fight of the year. What's that? <laughs> Another Dan Hooker fight of the year, Dan. That will be. It could be. But uh, <laughs> you know what? We had so many good uh, five round fights that it's hard to say a three round fight yeah, could even be the fight too. of the year anymore. That's true. Yeah, that's that's the tough thing. We, we almost have to like make it its own separate category, which last year, I believe that was, I think we both agreed that that fight was Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos, right? Yes, that was that was the best three round fight. I think so. We should honestly that that should be split up. I think that's fair. We could do that next year. We're going to do that for the judges. Yeah, for the judges, two thousand twenty-one. <laughs> All right. What else do you want to see though? This is a good. It's a decent card. I think it's bottom. a solid card. Most looking forward to. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to Otman Azatar versus Matt Frivola. Okay. One fifty-five. Azatar's got like I don't know nine of. I think he's got eleven wins. All first round uh, finish. He's coming off of the win over Kama Worthy. Is that right? Yeah. Well, he's got three straight first round knockouts. But he was in a co-main slot recently. against Worthy, I believe. Recently. Yeah. He knocked him out. Uh, Fravola has a crazy pace, too. I think that's going to be a fun fight. All right. Uh, and I also am pretty excited for Amanda Hebas and Maria Yes, Rodriguez. Amanda Hebas. That should be a fun fight. I thought Rodriguez beat Carla Esparza. Marina Rodriguez is uh, an interesting case, and I don't want to bogged down the end of this show but i i do think marina rodriguez has been in some very close fights that you could possibly make the good argument for i think we have before but at the same time you almost look at it, it's like maybe she just needs to do a little more she could so but we'll see i mean he boss has been pretty hot going in into this one she's she's got a lot of momentum um i think there's now starting to be this sort of backlash about against her that oh she's just getting attention because she's this positive fun person which look That'll kill there you. There is some attention that comes from that, but also the woman can fight. Yeah, she'll let's kill not take you. away from her. Yeah, and let's see how she does. Rodriguez is most definitely her toughest test. So if she passes this test, I think everybody needs to just take her and understand. Okay, this this woman's for real. But we'll see. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We will be back again on Monday to discuss the aftermath of UFC 257. And we'll finally get a break because we don't have to talk about any fights in the next week. Oh, yeah. We get a, a, a full break. Yeah, we'll do some fun stuff. I mean, we've got some little things in the works. Uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I, hopefully, we'll have some nice shows for you guys. Thank you for listening. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the fight Saturday.